estate planning, estate administration, elder law, and real property matters. RourkeLaw.com Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole, and coming up, we'll be talking to Joe Abraham of the Sullivan County Democrat for our weekly Monday news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. First, it's the other thing that we do on Mondays. We check in with uh, Sullivan County and the Sullivan County Office for the Aging as part of its annual meeting will present a free local screening of all the lonely people. This is a social impact film examining the epidemic of loneliness. The in-person screening is free and open to the public coming up next week, Tuesday, November 1st, starting at 2 p.m., at the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center, Main Street, Hurleyville. It'll also include a Q&A with the film's producers and some local officials. Our own Radio Catskills own Patricio Rabayo got a chance earlier to talk to Lise Andul, Director of Aging Services for the Sullivan County Office of the Aging. We're going to that conversation now where Patricio starts off by asking how loneliness can affect one's health. I'm going to um, get this, tell you information directly from the AARP Public Policy Institute. Um, they're saying it's worse than smoking as far as social isolation's effect on the body. It's equivalent to smoking a, almost a pack of cigarettes daily. It adds stress to um, heart disease and even an earlier onset of dementia. Um, this particular documentary, um, I've had the opportunity to see it. It is impactful and compelling and deals not only with social isolation as it relates to an aging population, but across our community as a whole. Um, and it's also, um, it, it gives a different approach to how different people deal with it and how people who you think how could they be social, socially isolated? Really are. It's almost um, silent in some people. And um, it, it's very, like I said, very impactful. And um, and you leave the film with a different perspective on things. So it, it's. I'm very honored that we get an opportunity to show this locally. Just watching the trailer, it talks about a couple who are living in a rural community. And it talk about how that is very isolating. And I could assume that being isolated in the city is different from being isolated in rural. Each one has its own effects. But, you know, here in Sullivan Catskills, you know, some people live far away from each other, live far away from services or even sort of like senior programs. And I'm assuming the pandemic has only increased that. As a director for in the aging services for the Sullivan County Office for the Aging, have you seen the pandemic increased that isolation and loneliness? Absolutely. Um, we still 
Um, the local clubs that meet, some of them have restarted, some of them haven't. Our congregate sites, we're still not able to open them because we've had such a shortage of staff, but we're still doing home-delivered meals, which for some folks, that's their interaction with the outside world, that person delivering that meal. The fact that this has gone on as long as it has and people have tried to stay safe and stayed home you know, people, when they age, obviously things happen and, and they, their condition may deteriorate under normal circumstances. When you add the effects of the social isolation that COVID has, has brought on, that definitely is, is just magnified. And we have folks that we were serving in 2020 that unfortunately aren't going to be coming back to the level of services or have moved on to a higher level of care because of the impacts that social isolation caused. It could be because not only were they staying safe and, and isolating, you know, for their safety, so were their families who might not live locally or they didn't have a whole lot of family to begin with. So it's been obviously in our community, which is so spread out, the impact has been magnified tenfold at least. What has the Sullivan County Office for the Aging done during the pandemic to help ease this loneliness and isolation for older adults? Certainly. Um, if they were already connected with us, we when we first shut down, um, we were still getting meals to people one way or another, but we were um, having caseworkers call them daily. At, at For some folks, that was the best lifeline. Other folks were a little sick of us and they were like, stop calling me every day. Uh, but we, we did. We did call people daily um, to make sure everybody was okay and that they had some sort of connection. We um, obviously with the home delivered meals, we're, we're going right to people's homes. And when we weren't entering their homes, obviously we were at their doorstep checking in. Uh, and that was absolutely vital. We were a big part of and still are participating in the efforts of the Community Assistance Center. So we were manning the phones and, um, you know, hooking people up with whatever services that were COVID-related that they needed, whether it be um, access to vaccines or transportation or um, food access if they were in an emergency situation, et cetera. So those were some of the things. And also our... our um, New York State Office for the Aging supported our efforts to make sure that money was not the problem when it came to serving people. We um, were given an influx of stimulus dollars so that if anybody needed a meal, they didn't have to qualify under our normal circumstances. And we were able to say, you need a meal? No problem. We'll add you to the route. Um, it wasn't, well, can you cook for yourself? Can you do this? We just wanted people to be safe and have nourishment. So we made sure that anybody who asked for it, we connected with a meal. Um, so that was a big help to know that we were able to serve as many people needed us. And um, our, we, our nutrition program, especially, we never stopped. We We upped how much we asked of our staff that um, normally would run a site. They were running around the county delivering meals. So we, we've been very much in the trenches all along to meet, you know, people's needs, make sure they're connected and check in on them, you know, all of the above. Um, we also, it, it was almost controversial. We implemented the animatronic pet program. And for some people, when they saw these, they were like, what the heck are these things? 
and they're they're wonderful and people have um enjoyed them we got a first shipment as kind of like a trial basis and and when people started interacting with these these pets they realized that they were beneficial and they they were a hit and we got you know we got a huge demand for them so we asked for a second shipment which we received again those went very quickly when people realized how wonderful they were we just received probably our last shipment and i have plenty on hand but we offer animatronic cats and dogs and we also have birds that um the birds actually sit on somebody's walker and the more you use your walker the more songs the bird sings and and it's a, a good incentive for people to use their walker properly. And the cats and dogs, people absolutely adore them. They're, we've had several clients we've given them to that had just recently lost a real pet. And they're at a, a stage in their life that caring for a pet is burdensome. They can't walk the pet. They can't clean the litter box. And these pets give you, you know, they interact with the person and they give purrs and they, they bark and they put their head back and they they kind of fill some of that that void of the companionship that they may have had with their other pets. So it's been a very good program. If someone is interested in that program to receive a dog or a cat or a bird, uh, a robot bird to help with loneliness, how can folks get in contact with you? Absolutely. We would just have them give us a call um, at 807-0241. And we only ask that they're a Sullivan County resident and over 60, um, that they're using it for themselves or a loved one. I know some folks have reached out saying, well, I have grandkids. They'd love this. That's really not who it's for. It's for somebody who is, is a, you know, a, a senior who's socially isolated, um, who could benefit from the companionship. And um, we, we are happy to be able to provide them to them. Right, right. That's great. And the number is 807-0241. Is that correct? That's correct. The public meeting and film is happening on November 1st at the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center on Main Street in Hurleyville starting at 2 p.m. There's also going to be a Q&A after the film. Can you talk about that and what can folks expect when they come to Hurleyville? Uh, we are going to have the doors open at 1.30. The event starts at 2 o'clock. And actually, the film is going to be streamed. We're one of these streaming sites um, live from Ithaca where the there's going to be representatives from the film production team. Uh, I believe the, the director or the, and the producer may be on, on site in Ithaca along with representatives from NYSOFA. So it will be the streaming of the film, which is just a little over an hour long. And then the Q&A, which is also going to be facilitated via the streaming link. And we'll have the opportunity um, to hand out like note cards to people to, to submit questions and we could type in and they'll, you know, deal with the questions as they come in at the remote site. Um, keeping my fingers crossed, all the technology works in our favor for that. I, I'm positive it will. Um, the folks at Hurleyville Performing Arts Center are wonderful to work with. And we will follow that up with um, our public hearing, which um, our funding typically requires us to have once a year. And um, we haven't had a public hearing since 2019. We um, obviously could not do it because of COVID. And, and NYSOFA, New York State Office for the Aging, had said, okay, we won't do it for 2020. We won't do it for 21. So this year we are required to have it. And this was a great opportunity to 
kind of have two for the price of one as far as bringing our folks together um, for this event and, and have the screening of the film. So the public hearing will have representatives from our office um, talking about our programs and highlighting some of our efforts over the last couple of years and what our plans may be looking like going forward. I've also asked um, the Office of Human Rights um, to be pre present because they've been doing a, an amazing job of getting more word out about what's available for seniors in our community, and additionally, they're having another event on November 9th um, that is also going to be at Hurleyville Performing Arts Center, and we'll talk about some of the efforts that they've been putting together to really, um, it, it all ties in with what we're trying to talk about with social isolation, et cetera, really um, getting good um, link up of all the different senior clubs uh, the county has, so everybody knows kind of what everybody is doing, and there's more opportunities for people to get involved. So it's I, I look at it as a perfect pairing of these two events to really get the point that we're here, we're listening, we want to link people up with what's available, and and um, hopefully help with all of these issues. Definitely, this is happening on November first from two p.m. into five p.m at Main Street in Hurleyville at the Hurleyville Performing Arts Center. Lisa Ann, before we go, is there anything else I have not touched on that you want our listeners to know about? Um, I would appreciate if everyone would give us a call to pre-register for the public hearing on November 1st. Like you said, it's from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. The doors will open at 1.30. Um, we'll have coffee and refreshments. But we're asking people to please give our office a call to pre-register so we have a good head count. Um, because there is seating capacity at um, Hurleyville for Performing Arts Center, and we want to make sure that we are able – I'm totally confident we'll have plenty of room, but I want to make sure of that. And our, our number is 845-807-0241. And that number is 845-807-0241. We were talking to Lisa Ann Duell, the Director of Aging Services for the Sullivan County Office for the Aging, talking about All the Lonely People, a documentary that deals with social impact that the epidemic of loneliness has on health. Thank you so much for joining us on the local edition, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much again for this opportunity to spread the word. We're very excited to see everybody in person again for uh, way too long. <laughs> for Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Robayo. Thank you, Patricio, for that report. Thank you for listening. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat talking to editor Joe Abraham. We'll be right back. Radio Catskills Fall Favorites Fun Drive is happening now. And your donation not only supports the work we do locally for Radio Catskill listeners, but it also supports all the correspondents and editors at NPR and the BBC, and all of our other programming. It keeps public radio available for everybody, everywhere. But hey, if none of that convinces you, think of it this way. Charitable giving just feels good. 
Economists even have a term for it, warm glow giving. So give yourself that warm glow and give now to Radio Catskill during our Fall Favorites Fun Drive at WJFFradio.org. Keep local public radio here in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. WJFFradio.org. Thanks. It's WJFFradio.org to make your donation online. That's our website. Go to WJFFradio.org and click Donate Now. WJFFradio.org. You can also call here. There's other folks in the building besides me. So even though I'm hosting this live program here that we'll be getting back to in just a moment, you can still call to donate. We'd love that. In fact, we would thank you right away. We haven't really had any support since the 5 o'clock hour, since we hit 5 o'clock. And uh, we can't spend... (laughs) We can't spend an hour and 46 minutes uh, during some of our best programming of the week without hearing from folks during the fun drive and expect the fun drive to actually end. So if you have something to give and you haven't given yet, we definitely, definitely, definitely want to hear from you right now. Go to your phone, call 845-482-4141. Let us know what you can give. Give now to keep the momentum going, to keep public radio funded Public Radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Keep it free and open to everyone, no matter what their background is. We are here for them, even the folks that don't have anything to give. That's why it's all the more important that those who do have something to give, give it to support Public Radio, support Radio Catskills, support WJFF right here in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Support the local edition. Go to WJFFradio.org, click Donate Now, and you scroll down, you can see where there's little fundraising pages for every program. There's a search option. If you type local in there, the fundraising page for the local edition will pop right up. Share that with your friends and family, any folks you might know in the community that actually listen to the local edition and say, hey, have you given yet? Or you can just go ahead and make your donation through that as well. That way we know that the local edition is one of your favorite programs. Go to WJFFradio.org to make that happen now. Welcome back to the local edition news and information that keeps you connecting the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania, brought to you by the support of listeners just like you. Every Monday we check in with the Sullivan County Democrat to see what's making news, what's going on in the county, everything that's in the Tuesday edition of the Sullivan County Democrat. And on the phone to go over that with us now for our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat Managing Editor Joe Abraham. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. Thank you, Joe, for joining us. Thanks. It's always great to be here. So first off, I guess the first news item we got to get out of the way is to say happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm 30 now, so uh, looking forward to the new decade. Okay, that's great. I, I hope I hope for all the best for you in this new decade of life, and congrats on reaching 30. Happy birthday, Joe. Um, back to other news. Um, you know, Southern County Legislature meets every Thursday pretty much. Uh, last Thursday, they talked about the bed tax. At their last meeting, uh, Patricio gave us a report on the heated debate that took place at that meeting. Uh, can What can you tell us about what went down? Sure. So just to give uh, listeners a little background, the Bed Tax Committee consists of the Legislature Steering Committee, which is the chairman, which is Rob Doherty, Vice Chair Michael Brooks, 
and Alan Sorensen and Ira Steingart, which are the legislators that serve as majority and minority leader, respectively. It also includes District 2 legislator Nadia Reich because of her familiarity with communities along the Delaware River. And their job is to find out what's the next steps for the county's new tourism sector enhancement grant program. The reason they call it the bed tax committee is because the grant program is funded uh, from lodging room tax revenues, which have been increasing in recent years. So a large portion of this executive committee discussion was spent discussing whether or not Sorensen and Steingart should serve on the committee. Sorensen because he's the planning commissioner in Orange County and Steingart because of his connection to the Sullivan Catskills Visitors Association. And uh, things essentially started with um, Doherty saying that Steingart had approached him about Alan Sorensen being disqualified. Uh, and pretty much I further explained that he just felt that Alan's job duties in Orange County uh, put him in conflict with determining these uh, who, which projects and such, you know, when you're in this committee might be happening or might not be happening. There might be a conflict of interest. So there was a back and forth discussion. Uh, the chairman read a passage from the county board of uh, ethics code. And um, both he and Sorensen said they didn't see a potential conflict. But at the end of that debate, uh, Sorensen had decided that he was just going to um, choose not to serve on this uh, bed tax committee to eliminate even the appearance of conflict if it meant it might put a stain on the use of those funds. And when they got done with that discussion, uh, the chairman had sort of turned his focus to Ira uh, Steingart, uh, who, as the legislature's planning, community development, real property, capital planning, and budgeting committee, which is, I call it the committee with the longest name, uh, he, you know, because you're in that position, you automatically sit on the SCVA board as an ex officio non-voting member. And Steingart has, on occasion, at legislative meetings, given praise to the SCVA. We've had great strides in the last couple of years. You know, tourism has always been a big thing here and has also um, advocated for them to get some additional funding at times. And so Doherty was kind of uh, speaking to that and things got kind of testy when you mentioned the past situation, which there isn't a whole lot of public info about, but it was sort of brought to the forefront that uh, within the last couple of years, while they've been this group, that Doherty had brought forth ethics charges against Steingart. And uh, while there wasn't specifics, uh, as to directly what it was, uh, it seems to relate in some way to either Steingart or a sister company of his business, Steingart Printing's involvement with the SCBA, and um, to which Steingart had fired back at Doherty that you know that the the Board of Ethics Committee, who was brought forth with determining whether there was a conflict, uh, he claimed that Doherty stacked you know the board against them, and also that he gave one of those individuals. Uh, who they did not specifically name, a job afterwards. Uh, and De- Doherty denied that and said he didn't have any influence on the decision, and uh, but did feel that Steingart should resign from the bed tax committee and wanted the legislature to vote on the matter. But County Attorney Michael McGuire, and then earlier during the Sorensen debate, uh, Deputy County Attorney Tom Cawley, who serves as parliamentarian for the legislature, had brought up sort of that when you have a situation like this, to adhere to the county's code of ethics, if something's a conflict, whether someone should recuse themselves and you don't feel like they appropriately recuse themselves, the, the, the proper mechanism is to bring forth the matter to the Board of Ethics and to have that county Board of Ethics be the arbiter of that, of that dispute. And uh, once they make a decision, that decision becomes binding on the legislature. So 
Um, after that sort of discussion, um, you know, Ira pointed out, or I should say Steinger pointed out to Doherty that, you know, when he was talking about Steingart's involvement with the SCBA, that as chairman of the legislature, Doherty gets to pick who is the chair and vice chair of each legislature committee. So he put Ira on this committee, or, or I should say let him remain on it, uh, or vice versa. And uh, and because of that, uh, you know, he put that out there, like, you knew what my business relationships were, and you, you put me as as the chair of this. And Doherty, you know, told Steingart, you know, fired back, that you could resign from that post any day. Steingart said he wasn't going to do it. So Doherty said they'd bring the matter to the Board of Ethics. And uh, it only takes one legislator to do it. And uh, he said he would be the one to do it. So we will be following that and sort of seeing where it goes. Uh, this bed tax committee has not met yet. Um, this program, <laughs> I think, was... Yeah, it's it, it's been announced. The, the program was announced. All of think, that happening in and around a committee that hasn't even met yet. Yes. Okay. Yep, yeah. the, the program was sort of announced right. last spring. They're still trying to work on it because a couple of years ago they had renegotiated, or within the last couple of years, uh, the contract with the SCVA and and uh, with those increasing room tax revenues. There's some money sitting in there, and you know they're going to determine at some point. Uh, what to go towards, but um, okay. You know. So, is there is are there actual from as somebody who's watching all this and can relate that whole story? I feel like I got a little lost somewhere in there. Is there something to this in terms of are are there legitimate concerns about conflicts of interest or appearance of conflict of interest that are being brought up in good faith, or is this story about um, look at these legislators they they still aren't getting along? Well, I mean, I think that, I mean, uh, Vice Chair Michael Brooks had made a comment sort of about uh, this tick for tack that's going on in politics. Uh, and it's not just something that's local, right? We see it in Washington. We see it in Albany. And, you know, while it might not be as black and white as Republican, Democrat on certain issues, the, the not getting along seems to have been a trend that this uh, legislature has had. So that's part of it. Uh, you know, listen, I think there's a lot of gray area in both cases, in my personal opinion, uh, that just I'm not certain. It's up to this Board of Ethics to choose. I mean, with Alan, uh, you know, the chairman had pointed out that with the current rules that exist, there's no financial benefit to Alan or his family uh through his job at planning commissioner to be on this committee, but he does do project reviews for Orange County, uh, 239 reviews. So, you know, you could make a debate that there's some gray area there. And then also with the Steingart situation, it's interesting because, like I said, it's weird because, yes, he does sit as an ex officio member on the SCVA board, um, but he was put on that board by the person he was arguing with. So it's so, yeah, the Board of Ethics is going to have to sort this out, and I'm thankful that I just get to report on this stuff and don't actually have to sit there and make <laughs> right. that decision or that determination. Yeah. But uh, we will have to see sort of how it plays out. Can I ask you quick, where, where, where's the Board of Ethics? Is that like a county-based board, or do they appeal? Is that a state-based? Like, like where, where? Yeah, it's, it's a county, it's a county-based board in their code. I, they have, I think they can have a total of five members. Currently, there's only three um, that are on the board. So, because um, I don't believe they've met in quite some time, and I don't think they meet necessarily super regularly. I think it's just sort of as, you know, case by case basis as they're needed. But right. um, that was discussed 
uh, sort of too as well is filling that board up as well because it's not full. It's just a little over half full. So they have enough for a quorum, but that's about it. All right. Well, uh, Joe, we're going to have to go pretty quick here. Um, just real fast in this last minute here. Uh, we're going to be airing the debates that took place sponsored by Bold Gold News and the Sullivan County Democrat. Uh, took place at the beginning of the month for the 51st New York State Senate District and the 100th Assembly District. Two different debates between those four different candidates and you were there representing the democrat you were one of the co-moderators along with mike sakel uh what's your what's your takeaway from this debate and what can listeners expect when we air it tomorrow morning yeah i think it was a, a great debate I, I i thank all four candidates uh on behalf of, of uh, me and mike for for participating in it uh, i think that the it was a good uh debate i think that they I think the differences between candidates are, are well, uh, you, you see the differences through the debate based on answers to certain questions. And I think that's always good. And what we try to do and in, in, to bring community news to people is be informed, let people explain their positions to you. And most importantly, no matter how people feel, we just hope they get out and vote because it's such an important right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for uh, putting the work in. Uh, I thank you for taking the time to talk to us tonight. I thank you also for putting the work in on that debate. And uh, listener, you can hear these debates. We're airing the 51st New York State Senate uh, District debate, uh, and that's between uh, incumbent uh, Peter Oberacher and uh, challenger Eric Ball. That starts at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. And then the race for the 100th Assembly District in New York State, that's between Aileen Gunther and Lisa Labou, that happens at 11 o'clock, and you will hear Joe Abraham then again because he was one of the moderators. Joe, I thank you for the work that you put in for the community on all this stuff. Thank you. Thanks, and uh, I appreciate the birthday wishes, and I'll catch up with you again next week. Absolutely. Happy birthday. This is That's it for the local edition. News and information that keeps you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. We're going to do it again tomorrow evening, and uh, election coverage tomorrow continues tomorrow evening. We speak with uh, Congressman Matt Cartwright from Pennsylvania's 8th District. Extensive interview with him. That's coming up tomorrow evening on the local edition. You don't want to miss it.